Good evening. My name is Robert. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I'm an adult child of a dysfunctional family, and I struggle with several issues such as anger, codependency, and sexual addiction. Hey, guys. Uh, let's take a moment to pray. Dear God, Lord, I've spent a good part of my life telling others what you can do for them, and now I get to share what you've done for me. As I share tonight, help me to focus on you, and then you have helped me overcome my hurts, hang-ups, and habits, and may those victories help others see how you can change their lives, too. Amen. Amen. I was born in Portland, Oregon at the end of World War II. That was 78 years ago. I grew up in Salem, Oregon. We were an average family of four, a father who worked, mom who stayed home, took care of the house, and myself and an older brother. We were good people, but not a church-going family, although I did attend various churches off and on with friends. My father was a workaholic and a functional alcoholic. He worked 10 or 12 hours, six days a week to build a business. He was very controlling, and he was able to limit his drinking to evenings and weekends. Misbehavior resulted in a severe spanking with a belt. When I was about 10, my father's business was purchased by a larger company. The larger company <clears throat> kept my father on as a manager. After this, his hours got shorter, the spankings turned into talks, and his controlled drinking continued. We moved to a bigger house, and life was better, mostly because I now had my own bedroom. I always felt my mom resented me because I wasn't a girl. As a child, I remember hearing over and over the words, if you'd been a girl, you wouldn't have done that when I would do something mom didn't like. I spent much of my childhood trying to earn my mother's love and my dad's respect. I became a people pleaser, but seldom seemed to succeed with them. I became frustrated and angry, blending myself for the failures. I believe there must be something wrong with me. And to have my older brother reinforcing that and telling me I was adopted, which I wasn't, uh, increased my self-doubt. By fourth grade, I found getting good grades in school pleased both my mother and dad, so I became an overachiever. I was even included in the talented and gifted program in my grade school. This, however, created a jealousy in my five-and-a-half-year older brother. <clears throat> He'd picked on me for years, but at this time he got serious. He would talk or trick me into doing things that would hurt or embarrass me, and then he'd laugh at me. He and I have reconciled our relationship a few years ago, and he's now passed on to the next phase of his life. I was an angry kid. I didn't know how to express feelings in constructive ways. I was mean to people, including my mom. Not feeling like I could share my bad feelings or even knowing how to share them constructively caused me to seek ways to escape the pain. I developed an interest in the magazines Dad kept under the bathroom sink. I would spend a lot of time in the bathroom, which inconvenienced my family because we only had one bathroom. One day, the magazines mysteriously disappeared and were replaced with National Geographic. I found I enjoyed the pictures in National Geographic, especially pictures of naked female primitive natives. I also could hardly wait for the next department store catalog to arrive so I could look at the lingerie pictures. I had discovered 
that I could get away in my mind when I was focused on these pictures. My feelings of hurt and frustration went away for a while. When I was 11, I learned about masturbation from some friends who were a year or so older than me. And after some experimentation, I found that it was an enjoyable experience. I began masturbating regularly from the time I was 12, and this continued for more than 50 years. It also grew to include pornographic books, magazines, films, and of course later the internet. I was a sophomore in high school before I started dating, and I went steady with one girl for the rest of my high school years. I felt secure and it was good to have a female in my life who appreciated me for who I was. We came close to having sex but never did, and we broke up when I went away to college and I discovered college girls. I began to drink and party and date as many different girls as I could. I lost my virginity with a girl when I was 19, and I discovered that I could add reality to my fantasies. I had a dozen or so failed relationships during the ensuing years. I either broke up with them because they wouldn't have sex with me, or they broke up with me when they figured out the main reason I was in the relationship. At 23, I met my first wife. We immediately moved in together and got married a few months later. She was also a sex addict, and we lived in codependent bliss for six months until she took her addiction outside of our marriage. We divorced, and I was devastated because she left me for another guy. I blamed her for the failure, but also started beating myself up with what ifs. I turned to porn and masturbation to ease my pain. Two years after that, I ran into an old friend who I used to attend church with when we were kids. I started attending church with he and his wife. I attended fairly regularly and began to believe that Jesus was real. It was also at this time that God brought Louise into my life. We met on a blind date at a nightclub. I was supposed to be someone else's blind date who was attracted to this pretty young woman with a broken leg who was a friend of my date. I asked for her phone number and she actually gave it to me, the right number in fact. <laughs> and when I called and she answered, I was encouraged. I asked her out and she said she was going to a church group and I could come if I wanted. I found out later she thought the church thing would discourage me. It actually increased my interest in her. We began dating and attending church together at my friend's church. It was mid-March 1971 when I went forward in that church and made my commitment to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I was baptized on Easter Sunday 1971 and Louise, who had attended church for most of her life, recommitted her life to Jesus at the same time. She and I were married in June of that same year. We moved into my apartment. I was five years into my career with U.S. Bank, and between her Terry income and mine, we had a pretty good life. My obsession with porn and masturbation continued, even during this time. While Louise was aware that I was looking at porn, she tolerated it because it got her to believe the lie that it was a harmless vice. Because of my career, we moved every few years as I transferred to larger branches with more responsibility. It was during this time we started our family. Our daughter was born in 1974. She just celebrated her 49th birthday. And our son was born in 1976. We also now have two amazing grandchildren. 
We continued to attend church regularly and transferred our church membership to a local church whenever we moved. I kept practicing my harmless vice. I had a hidden stash of various pornographic materials, and this was all before the term internet was even part of the vocabulary. I had magazines, books, and a cherished black and white eight millimeter movie. In December of 1988, I felt my career with the bank was at a dead end. So in a time of earnest prayer, I asked God what he wanted me to do with my life. By this time, I was serious, and God's response was that I should go into the gospel ministry. I shared this with my pastor, and after considerable prayer and conversation, he confirmed God's call on my life. I resigned my 21-year career with the bank, got a student loan, and enrolled in seminary. I might add that Louise was very upset with me. She was raised in a pastor's home and was not exactly excited about being a pastor's wife. In a few weeks, though, she accepted that this was God's will for us and began supporting me in my career change. Literally, she had a good, well-paying job. After three years of graduate theology school, I received my Master of Divinity degree, and on May 12, 1991, I was ordained as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was Mother's Day, and my mother was there, and she told me that she loved me and was proud of me. My father was there also, and for the first time I could remember, he also said he was proud of me. I had served as an associate pastor of a small church in Aloha, Oregon, during seminary, and continued there until I was called to a small church just west of Fresno, California, as the senior pastor. And God gave me the privilege of leading both of my parents to the Lord, and in March, in March 1993, I was blessed to be able to baptize them both. Well, shortly after we moved to California, Louise got a good job in Fresno, and I served that church faithfully for four years. And we had decided to stay there until I retired. God have a different plan. And of course, by this time, I was a functional porn addict. So back to God's plan. I believe God thought we were too comfortable in our situation, and when the posting came out requesting a missionary couple for work in the Philippines, it caught my eye. This request exactly fit who we were and our individual job skills. Neither of us was really excited about leaving everything we were comfortable with, but we decided just in case this was God speaking, we applied and told God if this was his will, we would go. Six months later, we were on the ground in Iloilo, Philippines. I had left all my porn behind in the U.S., and I vowed that I was through with it. I felt a new place 6,000 miles away would give me a new start. As it turned out, we were housed on a major university campus, and I soon discovered that instead of having a dial-up modem, some of you may remember those, they had cable internet and cable TV. It wasn't long before I was exploring the internet and found some interesting sites. They say in recovery, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> you see, my problem wasn't the fact of where I was, or who I was with, or my situation. It wasn't even the easy access to the internet. <clears throat> the problem was me. I discovered that I couldn't run away from myself. My functional porn use continued. As a pastor and missionary, I traveled a lot, always accompanied by Filipinos for safety reasons. 
Many of the places I visited didn't have electricity, let alone TV or internet, so I stayed clean when I was away from home. But when I got back, I would do the work I had to do and then hit my favorite sites on the internet. I also discovered some interesting TV shows. Well, God did use me only because I had surrendered my life to him, and he took me up on that. But I did not surrender my harmless vice. You see, I continued to believe the lie that it was okay as long as it didn't interfere with my work. And if I kept it secret, it wouldn't interfere. We served as missionaries in the Philippines for six years. We arrived back in the States in August 2002 and came to Modesto because our son and his wife had an extra bedroom. We lived with them for about three weeks until we bought a car and found an apartment. In the meantime, I had arranged to meet with a search committee of a small church in Oakdale. That church called me to be their pastor, and I accepted on a half-time basis. I substitute taught to supplement our income. My porn use continued, and also my anger returned, and by now I had learned to, be, to use it to control others. Louise was intimidated by me, and I was able to coerce her into acting out some of my fantasies from watching porn. Finally, she'd had enough. She moved out. She said she loved me dearly, she would love me forever, but she was not willing to live under the same roof with me while I was doing porn and treating her disrespectfully. At first, I blamed her for leaving, and then I rationalized that because I was a pastor, Satan was tempting me more than others. To quote the now infamous Bill Cosby, the devil made me do it. That's a lie. Scripture is very clear. Satan can tempt us, but he cannot make us do anything. We always have a choice. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, except that is which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let, allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. Fortunately, I soon realized what I had lost. Louise and I kept in touch and even began to meet on Saturday nights at Big Valley. I would attend the service at Big Valley with Louise on Saturday night and do the service in Oakdale at my church on Sunday. I did manage to stay sober for a little while, but eventually I accepted that I had a problem. I got out of denial and knew pornography was an issue. I confessed to my mentor pastor and gave him permission to contact the regional executive minister to see if they could get me help. I got a call from the executive minister the next day telling me that I had to resign immediately and get help. I felt betrayed and angry. I'd like to mention that I was also in individual counseling for anger with a Christian therapist, and he helped me work through those feelings. Well, Louise and I continued to see each other and attend Big Valley. I heard about Celebrate Recovery, decided to give it a try. That was November 2005. I was still pretty prideful and figured if I liked it, I would whip through the program, get healed, and everything would be fine. We didn't have a first-timers group then, and after the worship and testimony, I was introduced to Mike, who accompanied me to the men's sexual addiction group. I was impressed with the honesty of the guys in the group. Most of them had problems similar to mine, and some, I judged, much worse. I discovered as I progressed in my recovery that my issues might be different, but they were just as serious as anyone else's. Sin is sin in God's eyes. My second time at CR, I started a step study. 
I discovered that I was indeed unable to control my addiction, and my life was a mess. It was unmanageable. From then on, I took this program seriously. As I worked the steps, I began to believe CR could help me, especially since it was a Christ-centered program. I found a sponsor who had also been a pastor who lost his ministry due to porn. He was firm but understanding, and we developed a good relationship. He helped me through my first two-step studies. As I worked the fourth and fifth steps, it felt like I had been released from dragging a sack of rocks behind me. As I dealt with my hurts, the hurts I had inflicted on others, my anger subsided. I let go of the resentments and hurts of my childhood. I worked the eighth and ninth steps, made amends to Louise and a number of other people. Louise also started attending CR and finished a step study. She moved back in after only eight months. After this, I attained sobriety for four years. Then I got a new computer. I had covenant eyes on my old computer, but I figured I had four years sobriety. Louise had moved back in. Our marriage was doing good. I figured I could handle this on my own now. Proverbs 16:18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. And 1 Corinthians 10:12. so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It wasn't three days and I was visiting the old sites and some new ones. Fortunately, it was only a few days before the Holy Spirit got the best of me. I was able to confess to my sponsor and the guys in the open share group, my accountability guys. I also confessed to Louise. I was ready to face the consequences of my sin. Louise was compassionate and told me that she was hurt deeply by what I had done, but since I had been working my program and made amends, she would forgive me. Her attending CR in the step study had given her the knowledge of how recovery works. CR has saved our marriage. After this, I enjoyed three years of sobriety. I even started attending the codependent anger group to work on that character defect. It was at this time I went into a major depression. I continued to work as a special ed teacher, my fourth career, but dropped all outside activities, including ER, or CR, and even attending church except online. This lasted for two and a half years. I retired in December of 2012. I started attending church again, and more importantly for me, celebrate recovery. Within six months, I was off all psych medications, I was attending church regularly, and more importantly, began serving again at CR. I volunteered for the food team and accepted a request to be on the prayer team. I am currently an open share group facilitator, sponsor, accountability partner. I've completed my six-step study, which I was privileged to co-facilitate. I've completed Shadows of the Cross, and the journey continues. My recovery is going to be a lifelong process. Outside of CR, I serve as a chaplain here at Big Valley. I'm a greeter at the 9 o'clock service. I attend the Monday evening men's fellowship, and I have coordinated programs here at Big Valley for persons with disabilities. In my 17 years in CR, I've had some relapses. Each time has been less severe and of shorter duration, and I've been able to confess to my sponsor and accountability team, as well as Louise, and I've experienced acceptance from all those people. I am so very grateful for a program that acknowledges progress and doesn't demand perfection. It does not judge me, but through acceptance, tough love, and speaking the truth in love is making me into the man God intends me to be. If you're a first-timer, come back. I don't know why or how you got here, but God does. 
He has a plan for your life, and CR may be part of that. I'm living proof this program works if you work it, so work it because you're worth it. Even if you don't believe you're worth it, the God of the universe does. He died for you and me. I want to thank my first sponsor, Dave M., who is now with the Lord. My codependency angry sponsor, anger sponsor, Gordon. My current sponsor, Andrew, and all the guys who held me accountable. Too many to mention by name. And the person who most influenced my recovery, other than Jesus. The person who stayed with me through the whole process, whose tough love got me into recovery. My loving wife of 52 years, Louise. Thank you, honey. <laughs> she has forgiven me more than anyone should have to forgive, but then we have a God who specializes in forgiveness Amen. and other miracles. We have put him first in our lives because he can do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, Ephesians 3.20. God is good. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you very much, Robert. Good evening. My name is Scott, grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, if you are a male and you're a compulsive overeater, we have our group in 601 tonight. Love to see you there. Hang out with me. We'll talk about food. Just kidding. We won't. But uh, tonight we have our focus question, um, and it's this, is now that you understand that there is a higher power, Jesus Christ, how has that helped you in your recovery? And so just a thought for us as we go off to group. But Robert is usually hanging around, so if his testimony touched your heart, I encourage you to stop by and talk to him and uh, share with him, give him some encouraging words uh, throughout the evening or even next week as you see him. But let's stand and let's close our time out with a serenity prayer, and then we can head off to group. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen. Amen. First time guest right across the hallway. Second time guest right up front. Other than that, head off to open share groups. We'll see you guys at dessert.